The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent closed-cell PE EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Thanks for tuning in to episode 103 of the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm Dan Lomano, recording from the Boathouse Studio down in Windermere, Florida. And now it's time for some audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by O'Brien. O'Brien is one of the most classic and long-lasting brands within toad water sports for over 50 years. With a diverse lineup of skis, wakeboards, surfers, tubes, and accessories, I have full confidence you'll find whatever it is you need to get on the lake this year and have fun. That's what it's all about, right? And that's what O'Brien is all about. Go to O'Brien.com online and see the entire line in its entirety. While you're there, find a local dealer and see what the O'Brien team is up to. O'Brien.com, again, that's the website. O-B-R-I-E-N dot com is how it's spelled. So check it out. Now check this out. 103, the number of today's episode. And today is special as we revisit episode 100. So I'm sure most of you have already listened to episode 100 and you are probably asking for more. So here it is. We went a little bit long in the episode and the boys, well, they turned the table on me. So... Basically, it started off as I was interviewing them, but things were pretty loose. I didn't really have too much lined up for that conversation. But anyways, the guys decided to interview me. Those guys, of course, again, Eric Ruck, Kevin Michael, and first-time guest Anthony the Shoe King Monaco, who actually gets a lot of love on this episode. You guys are going to get to really meet Anthony, find out who he is, how much he's done for the industry, how much he's done for me. Anyways, I'm pretty sure that you guys are going to like it. And then once you listen to this one and you hear us reminiscing of the old days, uh, you can go back and listen to episode 100. So go back to the future. So yes, I know today's episode is being released a few days late and I do apologize about that. I've been off the road technically for three weeks. But at the same time, August has probably been the busiest month of my life. I started the month out in Chicago at the Quarry Cable Park for the Nautique WWA Wake Park Nationals. I ended up staying in the area because on August 17th, my girlfriend Jane Levy, along with some of my really close friends, Kenny and Jared Meyer, we threw an event, a big event. It was the Twin Lakes Corn Fest. We brought together 50 plus athletes to compete in an event that's never been done before. We had four different water sport competitions, including a subjectively judged trick ski showdown with 17 trick skiers. 
We had swivel skiing. We had two-man team freestyle jumping and a 32-person feet on fire, feet on fire north. Same rules as down south. No barefoot suits, no wetsuits, just a pair of shorts and a vest. The spectators showed up. We had over a thousand people in the crowd. It was all you can eat corn. We also had a corn eating contest. It was a great success and a super, super fun event. Big shout out to Twin Lakes Marine and Centurion Boats who are the title sponsors. And I hope you guys can make it out next year. The following night after Corn Fest, uh, my old ski club, the Aquanut Water Ski Shows, well, they celebrated the 46 year anniversary with an alumni show. I skied in the show, Anthon, Kev skied in the show, Eric was up in the stands getting photos, and it was extra super special because we were all inducted as lifetime honorary members. It was a huge honor for me as the Aquanuts are a major reason I am who I am today, and also the place where I realized that I wanted Toad Water Sports to be more than just a hobby. To be inducted alongside Eric and Anthony and Kev, it's a dream come true. All three of those guys have not only helped me so much along the way, but so many others. And of course, today, uh, those guys are so respected on the highest levels within the industry. It was only fitting. All right, getting into it now. And I do want to thank all the sponsors who've helped make the Golden Mike podcast what it is today. If you guys could support them the same way they support this show, it'd be a beautiful thing. Those sponsors and partners are CDAC Marine Products, Boulder Boats, WSIA Water Sports Industry Association, Roswell Marine, Woodrose Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, Wakeboarding.com, Footin.com, GoPuck, Hyperlite, Conley, Lead Wake, Ronix, O'Brien, and Slingshot. Other ways to support is to tell a friend about the podcast, have them subscribe on the podcast app on iPhones or on iTunes. Rate the show five stars and write a review. Once you do that, I will read it on the show. The Golden Mike podcast is also available on most Android device podcast listening apps, SoundCloud, and at noiseofthenorth.com. You can also personally follow me at Dano T Mano on Instagram, D A N O T M A N O on Instagram again, and at the Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook. Find the page and hit like. All right, well, thanks for listening to that, folks. But now, let's listen to this. Here's Eric Ruck, Kevin Michael, and Anthony Monaco back with me right here. It's the Lost Tape on the Golden Mike Podcast. We are here inside the Boathouse studio. Three of my oldest friends, three of my closest friends. Oldest? Well, I'm not saying you guys are old, but... I thought it would be fitting to have uh, you three here on the podcast. Two of you guys have already been Golden Mike podcast guests. One of you mentioned to me that you would never be on the podcast, but uh, here you are, episode 100. (laughs) So Eric Ruck, Kevin, Kevco Michael, and Anthony Monaco, and I'm just going to kind of start off and go around the room. Ruck, you were the first one of the three to be on the podcast. You were on something around episode number 33 or 34 or 35 somewhere in there and your most recent um audio appearance on the podcast was um it was it was definitely memorable it was at feet on fire and slightly aggressive (laughs) how you doing today though 
Doing great, Dan. Great to be here. Yeah. Are, are, you, are, are we toned down a little bit from Feet on Fire, or are you still... Well, I should hope so. When you show up to Feet on Fire, you know, you better have a little... You know, fire under your ass, because that's the whole point, right? You kind of came in as if it was like a wrestling show, like WWE. Dude, it was head-to-head, you know? That's yeah. what you do. And your what happened? Are, your feet are still looking pretty Fre- Fred Flintstone-y over there. Hey, you know what kind of work goes into making these feet like this? <laughs> that's how you train for Feet on Fire, though, right? That is right? how I train for Feet on Fire. All right, so that second voice you just heard, Kevin Michael, executive director of the Water Sports Industry Association. You were somewhere in that in that mix in the mid thirties there on uh, my podcast. You're like episode number uh, thirty five or thirty six or thirty seven. I don't. Aren't I those the same numbers you just said about me? You were like two episodes <laughs> ruck before uh, Kevco's. So Kev, what's up with you? I know we've been hanging out a little bit this year. We did the Masters thing together and yeah, it's been a fun fire. year, Dano. Uh, thank you for having me back on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this should be a, a little bit of a different kind of style podcast. I've never done one like kind of like full group like this, so we'll have to see how it how it all works out. But I think everybody's got pretty distinct voices and accents here, seeing as though we're all from like the same place, right? Oh, yeah. Don't you know. All right. So uh, we also have Anthony Monaco here, a.k.a. the Shoe King. Um, Tuan... What's up with you, brother? How you doing? Things are good, man. I appreciate you having me on the show with you guys. And, uh, you know, when you called me and told me about this, I thought it would be a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool, fun sit down with uh, two guys that we've, I think we've all known each other here since, God, going on probably, what, 30 years or so, close to it. Long time. Long yeah. time. So, uh, but yeah, things are good, man. I, I look at this room right now and I say over 125 years of on-water experience. Santa's always good at rounding up. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly. All right, so I want to. I kind of didn't really put anything together for this. Uh, for this one, I didn't really put any notes together. Normally, I do. I figured um, we'd start off. We'd kind of meet Anthony a little bit for uh, the hardcore podcast listeners because you guys have both been on the show before. So we meet Anthony, and I figured we kind of talk a little bit about our start in the sport, Aquanuts up in Wisconsin. Uh, the old days, and then kind of just see where things go. So, um, Anthony, since since maybe for some of the listeners you're kind of new to this, I'll just kind of talk about uh, how I know you. I remember going up to Wisconsin to watch the Aquanut Ski Show, and um, you were one of the the bad to the bone uh, trick ski guys, shoe skiers. Uh, you were a barefooter, and you were also like the kneeboarder. You were like the only kneeboarder, actually, because it was at a time when I, I think kneeboarding was sort of cool, but also it was like there was, Anth made it cool. Anthony made it cool, right? There was like, like, am I wrong? There was like some sort of like line in between if kneeboarding was was cool or not cool. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, just. I mean, back then, that's kind of what you know, wakeboarding really hadn't hadn't started really so it was kind of you know from a progression of trick skiing and and that kind of stuff into it's just something different you know and i think i started skiing back when i was like 12 or 13 and a little ski school that i used to go to you know they had knee boards and all kinds of stuff like that so i just one of those things where i started doing it and just had fun with it so and and you were you were considered to be one of the stars of the Aquanut Water Ski Show when we were kind of, well when I was growing up and then soon after I joined the team 
you had actually left Twin Lakes to pursue a pro kneeboard career. How did that work out for you? Um, I started wakeboarding about six months later and never really looked back. So <laughs> Straight was, from uh, the knee to the stand-up. Pretty much. You know, I moved out down to Florida, got back in 94, and uh, actually I moved down here to come hang out with Ted Bevilacqua, who was kneeboarder at the time, and uh, kind of one of those things where, you know, I moved down here and he got a job with, uh, with a boat company as a rep and was always gone, so... Met a couple guys on the lake, and through those guys, I you know I met Byerly and Nacrasin and Drew and and all those guys, and just kind of started riding with them. You know, about six months after I moved here, and you know, the rest is kind of history. I just kind of pursued that whole wakeboard. You did? Would you be considered? Did you like go semi pro, or did you actually go pro? Because you were one of the first Liquid Force guys, right? I was on that first team with those guys, um, with you know probably about six or seven of us, and. I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have called myself a pro. I had right back then you would have considered yourself. I mean, a I rode pro. in a couple of pro contests. I really didn't do a whole lot. Um, I always seemed to not make that cut. But uh, but I mean, yeah, I rode on tour for probably you know three or four years or so, and um, that was really about it. You know, took I, a, you took a world title home once, right? A couple world titles, yeah. Dude, in the, in men's division, him. men's one, two time <laughs> world champion, and as a result of that, his first win. He got signed on to the original Liquid Force team the right. year they came out. And Tony but that Finn was like, tracked him down. Well, I think like Men's One is still like legit, but at the same time, that was Men's One was still oh, yeah. close to pro. Probably there weren't as many overall wakeboarders, so whoever won out of those divisions, sponsors had their eye on them. So, Tuan, how hard was it to hang up the kneeboard? Um, it really wasn't. Wakeboarding just was a different. It's just a different vibe. I don't know. You know, there really wasn't anybody around here when I first moved here doing it. So it was like, you know, I got a boat a couple months after I moved down here and, you know, trying to find people to come out and ride was really not that hard. Just uh, I hooked up with a little show ski team that was down here just to kind of meet some people because I really moved down here not really knowing anybody. And, but you um, moved down to aspire to be a pro. I did. I mean, I don't know if I aspired to be a pro. I think it was more my excuse of just getting out of the cold, the cold Dude, weather from Swan Chicago. Swan spent a semester and, in Wisconsin going to college and decided he wanted to live to end the <laughs> summer. I think that was the inspiration. Didn't there. you go to Arizona for a bit? I did. I was out there for a couple of years and then uh, moved back home and uh, and went to Wisconsin for probably about a year and a half or so. And then I spent my last winter there. And that summer I was just kind of done with it and just decided I need to move somewhere warm where if I did want to pursue something, you know, it was going to happen here. I couldn't take, you know, being, being landlocked for, you know, six, seven months back up North and just kind of waiting on the summers. Wanted to be on the water. Wanted to be on the water, man. They had a cable park out there, didn't they? Um, in Arizona they did. Yeah. I think that cable is actually, isn't the cable from Arizona? I think it's the one here in it's Orlando. It's the one here now, now yeah. It's the same hardware, the yeah. same cable. Same, same cable. Um, all right, so, so Tuan, fast forwarding, uh, you've been in the industry for quite some time. You spent some years outside of the industry. You didn't even ride. I think I, when I moved down to Florida in 2002, we started water skiing together. And I think you had mentioned like you had been kind of off the water for a while. Um, you definitely didn't have a job within the industry. You were a limo driver. What was that like? It was just kind of one of those things where, you know, I've always, I've never really had to work a whole lot. And I've always, the jobs I've had have always been kind of just odd, different jobs. And, uh, it was just kind of something that, you know, fell into my lap almost. And 
It was, uh, you know, it was something cool. It was, I could work at night. And, it was cool for me when you were a limo driver. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was one of those things where, you know, I thought I'd do it for a year or so and the money was decent. And around that time I had my daughter and, and it was actually pretty cool because uh, I was a stay-at-home dad during the day. You know, I got to raise her for, you know, the first six, seven years of her life. Ski and, at home, dad. And ski at home, yeah. You know, I mean, I'd bring her out in the boat. I think we'd go out on my boat. You know, she was probably you know, a year, year and a half and we'd throw in the boat with us and she'd fall asleep and in their little spot up front and we'd rip. It was great, you know, so it was uh I miss skiing, you know, I definitely would say that you kind of brought me back into into the circle of it because I just gotten burnt out on the whole I don't want to say the industry because it just sounds so cliche, but it just uh I don't know, you know, you do something for a while and you just get you want to try something different, you yeah. know, and the whole competitive side of it, uh you know, I was a little bit older when I started, so, you know, the body wasn't holding up as well and just kind of just got burnt out, wanted to do something different and walked away for a few years. And then, uh, you and then kinda, the Twin Lakes boys moved the back Twin Lakes moved boys, you know, moved back down and we started skiing a bunch and kind of got that bug again. All right. So so here we are now, like 15 years after I moved down to Florida, um, you're fully engulfed back into the industry now and you have probably one of the probably one of the coolest jobs to a lot of people. Um, just let everybody know like what you do now, what, what your spot in the industry is at this time. So I work for a uh, Nautique boat company and I'm the team manager. So I basically take care of all the athletes that we have, uh, sponsored with us. So it's definitely been, uh, it's been a fun job. Um, you know, there's some days that are hectic and some days that are, you know, kind of mellow, but for the most part, it's, uh, definitely for me, it's a, it's a really cool job. I really are, enjoy Are you the I'm guy doing. that we send? Uh, sponsor me tapes too no are people still sending sponsor no me i tapes? haven't uh, i've gotten a couple here and there but uh, no vhs's no vhs's <laughs> um but i mean it's a it's a pretty cool gig you know we got a i mean our team is awesome uh, i've known a lot of these guys you know guys like watson and jd and and jimmy guys that i saw coming up through the grassroots tournaments and you know seeing them now and it's kind of cool to see where these guys you know where they started out and kind of circling back again and, and do you now, like being the boss do you ever have to crack the whip on the boys sometimes sometimes on the social media side um but for the most part everybody they know their they know their jobs what's the so. most frequent request you get from team riders in general man nothing what's that one text man that you're just like ah oh, nothing typical. really i mean props right you know no actually no um just getting boat ins for service you know because we do we have a full service center in our factory where they bring their boats in so so tuan's gonna play very pc on this one i guess today no i mean yeah, that's need an oil change that's the truth man <laughs> i mean it's really everybody knows you know they know their you know how the system works yeah all right so i wanted to kind of talk a little bit about all of our start. Hey, wait, 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 Dan. I got a question for Twan. Okay, let's do it, Rock. So, Twan. So, you get a call. Tom Weber. He says, yo, Twan, putting together a Tom team Weber said, yo, Twan. of the best, of the best, of the best, the elite kneeboard force. What song are you going to go out to? Eric Johnson, Cliffs of Dover, or Joe Satriani, Surfing with an Alien? I'm going to have to go with Joe Satriani, for sure. I knew it. I would have put money on that. I would have put money on that. On that that same question, Twan, when you were in Aquanut, how many many years of all the years that you compete or skied with the Aquanuts, did you actually use one or both of those songs Um, when you were in the ski show? I never went with uh, Eric Johnson, but I would say Joe Satriani was probably 
a good four-year run. Would, there, there was never Cliffs of Dover in there? I don't think so. All right. All I don't right, think right, so. Right, Dude, right. did you get caught looking at the circle, man? Twan's got a big Charlie horse on his leg. No, that's one of the dangers of the job. I ended up walking into a uh, trailer tongue the other day. and oh, Yeah. Tag- somewhere down on your knee. Or no, tag- they're on your knee. Oh, Rome and the shenanigans, and the shenanigans start. <laughs> What's it called? The circle game is what we used to call you it, right? Keep it below. Oh. What's it called? I think it's just a circle game. Whatever the, yeah. the game is. It never where, had a name. The game is where you, you make the uh, perfect like the sign. You put it on your... Teenage Yeah, you put it on your games. leg, and then if you put your finger th- in the middle of the hole, then you get to punch the guy I otherwise. I think it's actually recently kind of come back. It yeah, has. Well, I mean, it's huge well, for now. For all the, the havoc that Twan played with that game, I think that trailer tongue was kind of like irony i don't yeah, a little bit yeah <laughs> a little bit i was gonna say i don't think that that game's ever gone away from twan no, yeah anthony is anthony's kind of the uh but practical back in the day guy. the trailer hit you in the shin but now it's probably the g or luckily, something. luckily now you know, thigh, it, was a, you know? It, was a, it was a ski and luckily uh it was cranked up a little bit and i caught it right in the thigh so it worked out pretty good i'm actually pretty sure every time i came into performance to pick something up you tried to pull the uh, circle game on me it's probably a good possibility <laughs> He had to stay. He was staying busy, man. He was staying busy. All right. So, okay. Let's let's get to like the Aquanuts stuff. That's kind of what I want to talk to you. So, when I started Aquanuts, Aquanuts is the ski show for people who like don't listen to the podcast all the time. Uh, it's a ski show up in Wisconsin. That's kind of where I. Well, it's fully where I got my start um, within like the water sports world. Aside from being towed by my dad, but uh, Kevin uh, was. When I showed up, Kevco was the star of the ski show. Anthony was one of the stars of the ski show. And Eric was the star of the junior Of the rope show. and dock crew. Well, yes, you were on the rope and dock crew. So, um, let's, Red shorts, uh, white l- golf shirt. Like, Let's start with um, Ke- with Kevco and basically like how you got into Aquanuts, what Aquanuts was. I, I, we'll just kind of get this conversation going here and like how Anthony and Ruck got into it. I know m- we saw a ski show. My dad knew we had to be a part of it and started putting me in lessons with Kevin and that's where uh that's how I got to become a part of the ski show on your boat is where I learned to never sit on the gunnel yes <laughs> Kevin <laughs> I want you to make Danny a superstar <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know if you guys want to maybe like talk about how you guys got into like well, our, our, or what it was our region in southeastern Wisconsin consists of six or eight lakes in close proximity and uh, summertime, you know, when we were off school, that was all we wanted to do every day, all day long. So um, there's a water ski team down the road called the Aquanuts. Um, one family in particular, the Dunneman family, inspired me in a big way and my sister as well. So that was all we wanted to do every day, all summer long. And we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. It was just wake up every day and call your friends on the landline, see where you're gonna go. And then just go have as much fun as possible. And then go to practice at night. Yep. Well, you were, you started on the junior team, though, right? You were a part of it for a long, long time. Yep. But yeah, yeah, that's how I met Eric and Anthony and and you. Do you remember? Yeah. So do you remember like when? Do you remember meeting Eric? But when he was like a kid. Yeah, he was talented, but he was just a small little French fry of a skinny kid, and uh, he was ten years old. But you could tell he was talented. He just didn't have the strength yet. And then when that kind of came together for him, it was lights out. But I was uh, I was spending summers away um, doing ski shows with my sister. And whenever I'd come back and see how much Eric had progressed in a year, it was always pretty mind-blowing. But yeah, his dad um, used to keep me after practice and teach Eric how to do like 
those three sixties around the boat and stuff, uh, to get in the show. And, uh, he was just a little kid at the time. So he wasn't really blooming yet. You could say, but then he got on the wakeboard and that was a good, you know, it was good to be light and talented like he was. So he just took off and the rest was history. What about you, Twan? You remember Ruck is like a, like a little dude. I do. I, you know, when I start to think back about it, I remember just him and his brother, you know, doing the rope and dock and, uh, specifically right before our trick ski act with me and Kev. Uh, People probably don't even know what rope and dock it no. means. You, Kev, half. Eric and, and his brother Mark were the guys that hand the skiers ropes to the tow boat during the ski show. Twan would hang us off the dock by our shirts and go, Whoa, We Whoa, would just terrorize Whoa. you guys. You'd, but, hold, um, you'd hold my brother down and hock a loogie <laughs> above his head and drip it and suck it back up. <laughs> but that's what kind of like what I first remember about Eric and then is, Mark's never been the same. Is we started wakeboarding and stuff. I remember like the Boniface would come down because Betty would come down and do clinics with the Swivel Girls, and uh, so Eric got to be pretty good friends and always hung out with Shane and and Parks. And I remember leaving. I think it was in '94 was my or '93 was my last year there. And when I came back, I think in the summer like '95, Eric was really into it, and I was just blown away by you know, what he was doing on a wakeboard and how good you he taught me gotten. how to do a roll the reaver. I remember that behind the, um, the sea swirl. Oh man. <laughs> we, I remember filling, uh, buckets with rocks from the beach, yeah. try to get some extra we, weight we in the boat. In yeah. yeah. So Ruxer, um, when, when Twan, when Twan would come back, when you were kind of getting into your wakeboard scene and stuff like that, how did you perceive? I remember the first summer that Twan came back after like becoming the wakeboarder and like starting to read wakeboard magazine and seeing barley and gator and all these guys and necrassin and then i remember when you came up the first year remember the black fly i do that came out when you came up with that i was like holy twan made it this is the real the liquid force yeah exactly i was just like i was like just blown away because like twan came he had all the gear he had the the new the new new Freaking boards and the uh, rusty rash guard and he was yeah well just you know all the gear and uh and he was busting it like he went you know left a knee border and came back and was doing you know every trick that pretty much you could was being done in those days and uh yeah i remember just going wow and then that then after you know like he was saying hanging out with the getting to know the boniface and and all that i mean it was pretty much how old were you then? I was sold. How old were you at that time? I don't know, like 14 maybe? So was 14? that like no, when no. you and Shane I was, I was, were... No, I was probably like 16. I was probably like 16. Is that so when you guys like were when... freestyle walking? Yeah, I was oh, yeah, probably dude, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, me and Shane. Even know. Yeah, I was, I was like, in my I was like 16. Right here. I was probably like walking. 16, 15, 16. When when that happened, I think was Dano a part of that crew or no? Yeah, Dano, Dano, just, but he tricked because Rami wouldn't well, let him. What was I mean? He's was, talking about the the soap. If crew. someone hasn't heard of freestyle walking, like how would you describe it? I mean, who doesn't? I mean, now it's called probably. I mean, we never did anything, but remember soap shoes? You could grind yep. on stuff. I don't know. Like, so, so you just walk around. Like, what it, like, I remember you asked me one time. We were at Think Tank in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's where I remember said, it. Hey, Kev, what's up? I'm like, hey, Rock, what are you up to? You're like, oh, just out freestyle walking. I but mean, that was a nice hotel with like a mini golf course. So there's probably a lot of it's a terrain. Yeah, it was a hollow dome. There's rails everywhere. Yeah, there's little stairs and rails and everything. So you I guys mean, are just running around and 
you know, when you're a kid with ADD busting out the seams <laughs> and your whole crew, everybody else is partying and you're like, what am I going to do? I'm we gonna, were laughing. I'm going to run and jump. We were yeah. laughing at the we, people partying. We, yeah, we made fun of everybody and had, a, I mean, we always had a sense of humor about pretty much every little bit of everything did. we did. But yeah, you know, we were running around having fun, doing flips off of stuff. It was Dano, Shane, my brother myself and who else was all we are we had a we had crew a, we had up a there crew yeah yeah and so l- let me ask you guys this is um because anthony you and kev both have kids um is it would it be cooler for them to come home and be like hey we freestyle walk with soap shoes or would it be cooler for them to come home and be like i'm really into um fingerboarding like I mean, I would probably lean toward freestyle walking because anything that burns energy for the kids. Yeah, fingerboarding is that's that's like those tech decks. That's become I know very you're talking about right now. I'm sure some of your coworkers are at work are probably from playing what I hear. Sean Perry is a master at the tech deck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ruckster was good. Hardcore. Ruck actually used to make them when we were in uh, junior high or something. Ruck actually used to make his very own. So you you probably deserve some royalties for those things no. from back in the day. No, but they he deserves some royalties for wake surfing. I'd say you and you and Parks were on that pretty early. Oh yeah, yeah. Slation, yeah. Hey, we can go anywhere. On, we can go anywhere on this one. So Pioneer. talk about that, Ruck. Some of like the early days of wake surfing. Like when did you start doing that? Because I always give you. We always and, did. I mean, people have been doing it since the fifties. I mean, skimboard. But you guys, uh, you guys pioneered the modern form of wake surfing. We just had a lot of time on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I think like I think talk about kind of like when you guys, when you and Parks and those guys, we may have even gone over early two thousands. I mean, really, what started it is uh, Hunter Jocelyn gave Parks uh, a skimboard, and we drilled a hole in the back and put a rainbow fin on it, and I- then we just started ripping it, and we'd bring. It was when we first moved to Hiawassee. This is probably like two thousand. And, you know, we were kids, we were having a good time, we liked to party, and uh, when we were over wakeboarding, we'd go surfing. We'd go surfing in the middle of the night. We'd go downtown, come home and go surfing. We'd, Did you, you ever I mean? say, I'd say Hunter Joslin deserves a kickback from anyone in the oh, wake dude. surf industry. Hunter Joslin actually has a lot to do with, with that, because he was hooking up a bunch of people with those exact... I still have the original one in, in the rafters in my garage. It's pretty soft board now. Yeah, we called that's it. The, that's we a, called it the chalice because. Uh, do you guys? Anybody remember Biker Sherlock? The guy, the, the luge Greg. guy, the luge guy. Yeah. yeah, the luge guy. Well, he owned a company called Chalice, which sold things, and uh, and uh, hmm. we put this sticker on, and it's this huge chalice sticker, and me and PB always just called that the chalice. But yeah, but yeah, Hunter Jowson, for those that don't know, uh, founder of the Endo Board. So yeah, yeah good friend and a cool dude right yeah yep. he's, he's fun to surf with you yeah. ever longboard with him oh yeah he's a master i heard his it's garage is full of surfboards is yeah that, this whole house and that was like you the other night you were talking a little bit about that kevco that somebody was saying they showed up at his house and he's like no you're not surfing that and oh, made him get oh no, that was someone else maybe yeah. grub or something no he's like family though that guy yeah Hey, so, all right, so any you guys have any, like, old-school, like, crazy Aquanut stories that may be appropriate for for the podcast, Ruckster, anything you remember from the old days? Uh, I remember some old banquets. I remember, I remember, uh, I remember some funny banquet scenarios 
with these two guys right oh, here. Oh, that was always like end of summer. Yeah, end of, end of summer, Aquina Banquet. Summer camp is over. The banquets really, actually, your guys' era was, was the end of, of the really awesome banquets. Was the end of the era? Yeah. Well, I think we still had some good time. I think that like when you and I were growing up, though, it we... We sort of had this kind of dark view, sort of, of what was going on for some reason. I wouldn't say dark. I'd say just cynical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys were kind of hoodlums. There's a, there's yeah, a faith. We, we, we you definitely, had your faith, but you're teenagers. I think all teenagers. I mean, we, we went through extended lengths to, to... You guys, you know, you guys like doing, like, practical jokes on each other. Dano and I would take a piece of fishing string, take a random leafy branch, <laughs> and tie it. So it would be hanging at in the like right at head level, like at the equipment, sh- you know, the tr- the shed, the one that when it you know was built into the ground there, and then like it would be totally in everybody's way when they're picking up and cleaning up, and we'd stand around and just go, oh, what's up with this mysterious floating branch? <laughs> we'd be like, how did that get? Wow, that thing is really mysterious and it's floating. But uh, but really, what what made everybody so angry wasn't the fact that we were doing this. We would just go on and on over these stupid little things. But everybody else would be cleaning up, and Ruck and I would just be focusing on this one thing. Like I remember the one time there was just uh, uh, a ton of you. You guys as uh, skiers, you remember like part of it. You have to go and clean the poop off of the jump or the uh, poop all the, off all of the goose the, turds on the dock. You got to clean the goose turds off of the dock. And one one day we got to practice, and it was just filled with 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 goose poo and ruck and i just kept saying for some reason we thought we would say the word definitely over and over and see how far we could go before people like lost their mind and for about an hour we just stood there just looking at the pier being like man that's definitely a lot of poop (laughs) and ideally ruck and i would have grabbed a shovel right no we did we were pushing the poop yeah i don't think we were pushing it hard (laughs) i don't know yeah. What, and what well, about I, I? I remember just Anthony and I in general were uh, we both had we both were in the same acts, you know, trick skiing and stuff like that. We both had dark haired mullets, so that yeah, lent those itself. Are some of the, the yeah, best we, mullets back in the day. <clears throat> that should, lent itself. We should some maybe talk about your guys' haircuts because you guys had amazing haircuts. <laughs> like, we're, talking, was it, we're talking the '80s. Come on, was that something where you guys like, dude? Who can have? The I'm not making fun. I'm commending. And, no, it was just the style back in that in that time, I guess, in the show ski world, because everybody haircuts, had them. But they just went into the mullet, and once they're cut into a mullet, you're stuck with it. Would you guys just go into the barber and be like, "Hey, you know, I I, I like to party, yeah, what but do we call, I want what people call to know it? I'm serious." Ke- you know, it's funny because I didn't I have a name then. <clears throat> Kev would come back. Later. You'd Flat come, top, long in the back. Yeah, you just, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> you would come back, I remember, and you're like, "Yeah, I just got a haircut, and I'd look." And nothing from the top or the back would change. It would just be longer, but the sides would be like shaved, and the tan lines would be kicking, and and that was like that held you over for like another month or so. Well, yeah. you you guys both had opposite end of the spectrum mullets, though. You had the the fluff mullet, and you had more of the you, your your mullet was a little bit more maintained. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. come on. But do you, you know? that, but Anthony <laughs> was really Anthony's really from like Chicago land, and and Kevco's from like the Milwaukee area, so. Ruck, you kind hockey, of be, more of a hockey well, mullet. Kev, Kevco's hockey. van looked, or Kevco's mullet looked really good in a van. Twan's mullet looked really good in his 911. <laughs> <laughs> you can get away. That's a, that's the beauty of the mullet. You can get away with it in any application. <laughs> exactly. Ruxer, you had a mullet for uh, for a minute too. There, you and the pointless guys all. Uh, well, that was purposely. Yeah, but these guys purposely had mullets too. There for. 
for uh, for a minute, but because it was the at the time. Are they gonna? Are mullets coming back? I mean, it didn't hurt our lifestyle any. No, no, I mean, <laughs> not I had, at all. I had epic summers, <laughs> you know? but I do look back at pictures and I'm just like, man, what was I thinking? Yeah. What, That's... Anthony? I gotta ask you, what was worse? Was it your mullet worse, or was it the time that you um, dyed your goatee blonde? Man, I'm gonna have to oh. go with dyeing the goatee blonde. That was uh you know, wakeboard and went through this real weird, uh real weird phase where, you know, people were coming from different from different walks of life, whether they were coming from water skiing or just getting into it and you know, from show skiing I came into it and, you know, the clothes we wore and everything, you know, we were doing back then to moving down to Florida. And I remember going down to, to Byerly's house that first day with a, a buddy of mine, Danny Venzura, who was a filmer back at the time. And Danny took me over there and, you know, it was, it was Scott and it was Gator and Drew and Johnny King was there and uh, Necrasin and all those guys at that time. And I remember wearing, uh, I can't remember what t-shirt I was wearing, probably like a, like a Life's a Beach, which was the the precursor to no fear with some probably umbro soccer shorts and some uh, some strap adidas flip flops big johnson t-shirt and you know naked. i walked in and these guys all kind of stopped what they were doing and looked at me and you know back then it was you know rusty was the big brand and the long board shorts and dude anth had all the hot and it was, uh, you know, and I'm pretty much sure that within the next week, I'd gotten rid of all my uh, my Twin Lakes uh, clothing and gone to the local surf shop and uh, and changed my wardrobe just to kind of fit in a little bit better. Um, your south, your southeast Wisco chic, a little bit, yeah. Nineties, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The stonewashed jeans and the topsiders and the uh, the woven Mexican belts, man. How did I? Oh yeah. Anthony, like how? How did like guys like Byerly take a guy like you in back in back in those days coming in as a kneeboarder? Um, it, well, back then it was I had already kind of made the switch over, so I really hadn't been kneeboarding for a while. Um, you know, I met these guys like again, you know, through through a couple buddies that were living on my lake at the time, and I was already full on wakeboarding at that time, so. It was, uh, you know, it's like any other situation, you know, you, you come into a new crowd and, you know, it's just, they don't know almost what to make you, you know, it's like someone kind of coming into their, to their group, but everybody was super cool. I mean, it was just, uh, it was a fun time, you know, it was literally no worries back in the day. And that's all we did every day was just, we wakeboarded from, you know, when we got up in the morning till sun went down and it was, you know, how many pulls can I get today? And it was just, it was fun, man. I had, you know, I look back and they were just some of the best times. Yeah. You guys worried about other things like going to the arcade and playing that Daytona car racing game? We did. We got pretty competitive, man. That's usually <laughs> what we did at night. There was uh I can't remember the name of that place. Um we we're up in Wisconsin? No, it was in uh in Castleberry cuz I was living there when I first moved here and Twan, you you had a when I when I moved down here, you also had an obsession with uh, another video game. Like, what was it? Galaga. Galaga. Yeah. 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 You still pretty good at that? Man, I haven't played in years. The last time I played was probably at Lee and Rick's when I took Colin Harrington down. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I remember you and I would like go to hey, this one McDonald's. Hey, it's just fun taking Harrington down and down. <laughs> anything you possibly can. Galaga or anything you possibly Rock, can. paper, scissors. Oh, hey, Ruck. So let me ask you this. So when you moved down to Florida to like fully pursue pro wakeboarding you just finished your amateur show ski career for the most part um what was like were people did you ever catch any like crap from people because you were like a water skier too or did you like fully hang it up at that point no because i mean like even my last 
year on Aquinas, all I did was wakeboard and trick. But you you would hit the mountain a lot, and you were getting into snowboarding and stuff. Oh, I mean, right? I, I snow skied and style into, on a into snowboarded. No. I mean, before you know, I was even. And, and I, I grew up skating, and that was always a major everything. part. And pretty much my whole time on a trick ski, I was wakeboarding on a trick ski. You know what I mean? That's what I think a lot of us. That was our mindset. We'd enter those three event tournaments where you had to write down your tricks and stuff. And well, see, I never I remember, actually even did a three event tournament. Yeah, I, I remember just, like just forgetting or just not doing what you said you wrote down because we just wanted to do flips or mm -hmm. spins and stuff. Well, for me, like, I, I grew, like, my trick skiing, and I've never trick skied for, like, three event. I've always, it's, like, free skiing or freestyle, but I've always wanted to, like, learn new tricks. I've always wanted to perfect them and, like... And a lot of like traditional trick skiers will look at my tricks and be like, well, you're doing the same thing over and over just from like different sides of the wake. But um, I, I try to mimic wakeboard stuff, but like Anthony, Kev, Eric, you guys were doing that on a trick ski before like you could sit before you could say, hey, I'm getting inspired by wakeboarding. So like how like what was what was inspiring you to trick ski? Uh, I mean, one of the first things I wanted to do on a trick ski was, I mean, realistically from watching snowboarding and skateboarding, I wanted to do a method, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know, backside air method, whatever you want to call it back in those days, melon, what, however, however it looked, that's the first thing I wanted to do. And then, you know, uh, Kev, Anthony and Jeff and all these guys are doing, you know, uh, back rolls and and stuff like that so i wake to wake threes and stuff yeah, exactly like that. wrap threes wake to wake, handle west side threes. welling mm -hmm. where did you guys come up with the ideas to like do some of those tricks because those weren't like traditional tricks kev those were like like the stuff that yeah like, kevco was doing air and air uh you both were doing oh and the and the cab roll those were tricks that like not even traditional three adventures i wasn't doing. yeah we, we were trying things that we weren't aware that it, if there was anyone else doing or not were you aware that nobody else was doing this stuff I was not aware. Yeah, we were trying tricks like, well, we called it a back wrap gainer because a back wrap is when you're basically backwards. So that would be a half cab roll mm -hmm. today, which I have on lock because <laughs> it's one of the go to <laughs> tricks I could. On a wakeboard still, or on yeah, a trick ski? On a wakeboard. Well, it's because, you know, I learned them first on a trick ski, but what we were they, young and we didn't know. What did they call it? We not a back wrap. What did they call it on, the knee, on a knee board? An invert. An invert. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Because I remember when you were doing those and that was a big deal. But there wasn't, we didn't have social media. Or there even, was nothing back then. There weren't trick ski videos yeah. coming out already. So you didn't know. There, didn't, there was we, one trick ski video. Oh yeah. Corey Picos. Yeah. And actually yeah, we have a pretty good, one up. We, yeah. we have a pretty good story about that too. Yeah. Well, we, Twan, did you watch the Corey Picos video growing up? No, I remember sitting in front of my TV with Kev and watching this HO commercial over and over and over that was on Hot Summer Nights. Yep. And uh, it's funny because I actually, uh, I've got to know Corey uh, over the last year or so. And um, so this year at Masters, I actually went up to him and I said, I got to tell you this funny story. And Corey Picos. Yeah, and basically recited the commercial to him and got a pretty good chuckle out of him. But yeah, I mean, that's how, you know, like Kevin was saying, it's like we had a magazine that came out, what, every every couple months that we would get our hands on and see the new stuff. But, you know, for the most part, there was no social media. There was really nothing out there. So it was just kind of us going out and skiing every day 
and just hey let's try this you know or and that's kind of how it worked out and we'd crash for half of the summer and then finally somebody would stick it and everybody else it was always to see like who you know who's the first to land it or who was the first that could land it and uh we pushed ourselves pretty good i mean it was uh we had a lot of fun out there man all those days of just you know no cares and just skiing every day and blowing through gas money and and then being done and then going down to uh to practice every night or a show that's right being stars of the little southeast town right (laughs) sorry for the abrupt stop there everybody but if you want more then you need to go back back to episode 100 for the rest of the audio and whatever else took place that evening upon recording had a whole lot of fun with those guys and stoked that after 25 years we're all still friends Hope you all got a better idea of who they are, the longevity of their passions within the industry, and I really hope you can all hear through the audio why I still want to be surrounded by them any chance I get. They're mentors, and they still are. I'll tell you one thing, after re-listening to the entire interview, I think it's apparent that Eric Ruck and possibly even Kevin Michael could have their own podcast, and they should. So boys, if you're listening, I'm here to help. I'd love to to be the guy to make that happen. Now, before I fully close out today's episode, I do want to mention a couple of sponsors who helped today's episode happen. Ronix Wakeboards have spent the past decade solidifying their dominance in the world of wake. With a team of legends, current contest killers, and professional fun havers, along with an evolving line of products for all levels of riders and enthusiasts, Ronix continues to raise the bar and deliver quality. Their social media is on fire and you can check it out at Ronix Wakeboards on Instagram or online at ronixwake.com. I also want to mention Roswell Marine. 20 years ago, it all began with a passion for wakeboarding and the marine industry inside a garage in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada by a teenager with an innovative mindset to never settle for good enough. Pylons and the revolutionary extension pylon set the Roswell tone as forward-thinking, outside-the-box innovation along with the strongest commitment to the attention to every detail aesthetically, mechanically, and functionally became the pillars the brand was built on. Visions became realities with the development of the very first universal wake tower and spinning board racks. The fundamentals stayed true. Hard work, perseverance, and execution have today driven Roswell to multiple industry awards with innovative breakthroughs and now the very best marine audio products on the water that have rocked the world of towed water sports as we know it. RoswellMarine.com is the website where you can find and see all the info. So don't waste your time with wannabe imitators. Get the best and you can find that again online at roswellmarine.com. All right, y'all, let's close this episode out. Before we go, remember to find, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and podcast listening app on iPhones. All episodes are also available on SoundCloud and at noiseofthenorth.com. You can come see me. I'm announcing the WWA 
Wakeboard World Championships in Miyoshi City, Japan, kicking off September, so this coming week. And then early September, I'll be back in Orlando for the Wakeboarding Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And then the Wake Awards, those are both happening at Surf Expo. And then that weekend, it's stop number four of the 2018 Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour. Follow my social media at Dano T. Mano on Instagram and at the Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook. Thank you to all the sponsors and folks behind the scenes. Thank you to Sea Deck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, WSIA, Roswell Marine, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, Wakeboarding.com, Footin.com, GoPuck, Hyperlight, Conley, Ledwake, Ronix, O'Brien, and Slingshot. Jenna Carruth on the web, and Rich Walsh on the audio. Thanks again to three of my closest friends, Eric Ruck, Anthony Monaco, and Kevin Kevco Michael. That's going to do it for today's show, and I appreciate y'all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North. I'm Dan Lomano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast. Aw, yeah!